Would you stand, please, as Teresa comes to read our scripture this morning? In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now he's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord from Luke 1, 5 through 17. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to begin this morning with a picture. Should come up here in just a second. There we go. See if you recognize this guy. This is good old little Pluto, the last planet in our solar system. And did you know that Pluto has not made a full orbit around the sun yet since it was discovered in 1930? In fact, Pluto takes 248 years to do one full orbit around the sun. So it will be a long wait since that planet was discovered until it makes one full revolution all the way around the sun. It's amazing the things that we discover and the things that we see among God's creation, even in our own solar system. And we know that as far away as Pluto is and as amazing as that long rotation will take, it's just a, a little glimpse of a massive universe that we can't even begin to understand. The, the Advent story has such a similar beginning that it, it starts in a way that seems small, but it has implications that stretch beyond what any of us could ever imagine or understand. And the Advent story also begins after a long period of waiting. Pluto takes 248 years to orbit the sun. It had been almost 400 years, at least according to what is written down, since God's people, the Hebrew people of Israel, had heard God speak to them in ways like he had done in the past. 
There, there is no record of God speaking either through his voice or through a prophet for around 400 years from the end of what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the prophet Malachi, and this beginning of, of what we call our New Testament with the Advent story and all that's happening in, in the preliminaries before Christ is born. It, it, it has echoes of what it was like for God's people before the days of Moses and the exodus from Egypt. This long period of, of darkness and waiting and captivity and struggle and striving where God's own people were, were calling out to him and, and wondering why. Why is it, God, that you don't seem to hear us? Why is it, God, that you don't seem to answer us when we pray? God, have you forgotten us? Seems to be the cry of his people. And yet it's no coincidence that Zechariah, who we meet here in Luke chapter 1, his name means the Lord has remembered. After a long period of darkness and waiting, God speaks again, and he speaks to a priest named Zechariah. And, and this part of Luke chapter 1, which, by the way, is a really long chapter. Luke chapter 1 has a lot of Advent information, details, stories within it. This part of Luke 1 is called the pre-gospel, where the announcement is made to Zechariah and ultimately to Elizabeth and to others that their son, who will be named John, is going to go before the Messiah. He's going to prepare the way. He's going to lead the way. He's going to proclaim the message that John is not the good news, but the good news is coming, and the good news is Jesus Christ. I've titled this series, Heaven Came Down, because the birth of our Savior literally changed the very method by which we measure time. Eventually, the entire Western calendar was altered in recognition that history's greatest turning point happened in Bethlehem. This year during Advent, this series, Heaven Came Down, is about all the times that we see in the Advent story that, that God spoke from heaven to earth to his people. He, he spoke to them directly and personally about things like hope and love and joy and peace. These were the moments that heaven came down to earth, culminating in Jesus Christ being born from a human mother. But before we get to that moment, we start with the pre-gospel, the pre-good news, the story of Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, and here at the beginning of Luke 1, the first scene is where we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was an older priest. He was from the order of Abijah, which was one of the lower divisions of priests. He was just a regular old priest. There was nothing about Zechariah that really stood out. He certainly wasn't a high priest. As far as we know, he wasn't a priest that had, had attained any particular level of acclaim he was one of 300 priests from the family of Abijah, and the Abijah division was one of 24 divisions of priests in Israel. So if you do that math, that means there were 7,200 official priests in Israel at the time from these different divisions that were laid out in the books of the Chronicles. Add to that a few thousand more other priests who had, had felt that calling, had taken on that mantle, but but weren't a part of those, those different orders, 
priests were a dime a dozen back in those days in Israel. So there's nothing really about Zechariah that's special except that he's had this calling. He's been faithful in his service to the Lord. And Elizabeth, we're told, comes from the line of Aaron, which means she also comes from a priestly family. And the way they're described is that both of them were righteous in the sight of God. They observed all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. This was a righteous couple. They were faithful. They were, they were doing things as far as the Bible tells us in the right way and in the right order. And yet that did not guarantee them perfect happiness. Because we also learn that Elizabeth joined the ranks of other great Hebrew women like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Hannah, who were barren, even though they had, had been faithful and they'd received these promises from God. She also joins their ranks, though, because she's going to be given a miraculous pregnancy. Even though at this point, verse 7 says they were older, they were up in their years, and they were childless because Elizabeth had not been able to conceive Sometimes good people endure hard things. Sometimes evil people prosper. But just when it seems like things will never change, something new and unexpected may just be on the horizon. Scene two is pretty incredible. It's when the angel, who we're told later in the story, is actually the angel Gabriel, the very busy angel Gabriel during the Advent season, he comes to Zechariah in the temple. But, but before Gabriel arrives, this is just another day of service for Zechariah in the temple. He went to the temple with his division to perform their regular duties, and, and each priestly division, this was a part of their regular routine. They would serve two weeks a year, each division would serve two weeks a year at the temple, or they would serve during all the major festivals, all the priests were called in to serve during that time. And so this was just sort of a regular everyday activity. And for most priests, most of the time, they didn't do a lot. They stayed outside the temple. They helped people participate in their acts of worship. They took care of cleaning up messes that were left behind by people and animals, whatever it might be. They did their service. And, and as long as they were staying outside of the temple, they could sort of engage with the everyday folks. But every once in a while or maybe even just once in a lifetime when they would cast lots you might just be the priest it might just be your day that you get to go inside and you get to perform some actual act of worship of offering a sacrifice or something before the lord in his presence in the temple and not by coincidence on this particular day in the temple the lot fell to Zechariah. Maybe the only time in his life that he got to have this experience. And he went inside. And just in case you're, you're doubting whether or not this is a special thing, well, why do you think it is that as we read that all of a sudden Zechariah's family and friends are around? Because the lot had fallen to him. Do you think that Elizabeth and, and all their family and friends went to the temple every single time Zechariah served? Now, they're there on this occasion because the lot fell to him. This per, perhaps once-in-a-lifetime opportunity is his. And so this is his day. This is his moment. 
he gets to go into the temple he gets to offer the the incense and and i love the way one scholar describes what it was like the the moment came to step into the holy place before him rose the richly embroidered curtain of the holy of holies resplendent with cherubim woven in scarlet blue purple and gold to his left was the table of showbread the bread that symbolized god's presence directly in front of him was the horned golden altar of incense and and to his right stood the golden candlestick zachariah purified the altar he waited joyously for the signal that it was the moment to offer sacrifices sacrifices that went up to god wrapped in the sweet incense of prayer this was the moment that he had dreamed of this was inside the temple it was already a holy and sacred place and sacred moment before the lord but that's when something even more unexpected happened it wasn't the the presence of the lord filling the temple it wasn't that that everything went off without a hitch and and zachariah performed his priestly duties like no one had ever done it before no the moment comes in verse 11 when an angel of the lord appeared to him right there in the middle of the temple right in the middle of the holy place standing at the right side of the altar of incense now this is a great moment this happens not in a carpenter's shop not in a poor home not in a manger not in a field but in the temple and yet as we'll continue in the story in just a moment this also became a very complicating moment in Zechariah's life. I love the way Richard Vincent says it. Poor Zechariah. His story was going so well. He's called righteous before God, a blameless follower of the Torah. The priestly lot falls to him, and he gets his chance to shine, to fulfill his duty, to bring credit to himself and his family. But then the angel Gabriel shows up, and things begin to fall apart. Now, of course, the first moment is a beautiful moment with the angel. The third scene, this is, this is the moment when heaven came down in the temple and the angel spoke to Zechariah. This scene begins, though, with the very common reaction that everyone has when they see an angel on earth. There's fear. Zechariah was gripped with fear. But after the angel said, do not be afraid, he, he told Zechariah first, your prayer has been heard. So, so whatever it is you've been praying for, Zechariah, that prayer's been heard. Maybe this was, was his prayer that, that God would deliver the people of Israel from this dark period, from this period of, of silence, or at least seeming silence. Maybe it was his prayer that, that God would intervene, and like he had done for Moses, that he would free his people from the captivity of the Romans. Or maybe it was more personal than that. Maybe even though they were older, Zachariah and Elizabeth had continued throughout their life praying and praying, God, bless us with a child. Give us the opportunity to, to raise a young one, to follow you, to become a part of our family, to carry on the name of, of our, our, our family and, and our line from, from, from Abijah and Aaron and all the promises that you've made. Whatever it was that Zachariah was praying, the angel says, your prayer has been heard. And 
And then you'll have to go back and read it later, but if you go back to Genesis 17, the same exact words that God spoke to Abraham and Sarah are the words that the angel says right here to Zechariah. Your wife will bear you a son. And the promises about this son continue. You're to call him John. John means God is gracious. He will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or, or fermented drink. This is very similar to the priestly vow that Zechariah himself would have taken. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. We're, we're going we're gonna to see that in, in just a moment, but the story of, of Zechariah and, and then Elizabeth with her pregnancy and John the Baptist, the, the story of, of life in the womb is so evident. Where, where there's this, this not only physical life in, inside of Elizabeth, but, but infused with the Spirit is this little John the Baptist inside his mother's womb. And we'll see that connection here in just a moment. And he will, will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He is going to be the one who goes before. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of the prophet Elijah. The ministry of this child, Zechariah, that you and Elizabeth are going to have, that you're going to raise, that, that you're going to give over to the Lord. This child is going to turn the hearts of parents to their children and, and the disobedient uh, to, to of, of righteousness. This child is going to make ready people who are prepared for the advent, who are prepared for the, the arrival of the Messiah, the birth of the Lord, who will come to deliver his people, but who will also come to bring salvation to all peoples. Name. Your child, Zachariah, has a huge role to play in this story. I'm going to share these scriptures with you from Malachi chapter 3 and 4. This is the language that Gabriel's using as he proclaims to Zechariah about his child. And I'm sharing these with you here because they're an important part of the Advent story, but also because next year, which is not too far away, 2022, we're going to begin the year by talking more about John the Baptist and his ministry and his story. But here, the, the scripture that, that Gabriel's referring to Malachi 3 and 4, I will send you my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. See, I'm going to send the prophet Elijah to you before that day of the Lord comes, that great and dreadful day. And he will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. This is, is the moment where, where John the Baptist, as he's going to come in the power and the spirit of Elijah, is going to prepare the way for the Messiah, and he's going to bring back a, a unity to people so that their hearts are prepared individually and collectively to be the fertile soil that's going to be needed for the arrival, the advent of the Messiah to take root and then to bear fruit among the peoples of the nations. In a spirit like that of the prophet Elijah, John the Baptist throughout his life indeed pointed people directly to Jesus. And, and that commission that John was given and that John 
fulfilled so faithfully. It's the same commission that's been given to us. The reason we, we talk about these stories during this season every single year is not just because we love Advent and not just because it's Christmas time, but it's a reminder that the first Advent has happened, that Christ has come in the flesh, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, that he did live a perfect life, that he did die a sacrificial death for us, that he did rise from the dead and he is coming back again. And we've been given that same message, the same commission, that when we look around us and we see darkness, we feel hopeless, we live with that sense that things might never change, they might never get better, that something good is on the horizon. Because when we point people to Jesus Christ, we know and believe that he is that hope and that his promises are true. We've been given the same commission, that same spirit through the same power of the Holy Spirit of God to prepare the way for the second advent, the second coming of Christ, to point people to Jesus Christ, to say, as John the Baptist would say throughout his ministry, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is coming. Zechariah is given this promise. John's going to prepare the way. This is a beautiful moment, but again, it's also the time when things begin to fall apart for poor old Zechariah. Soon it's going to come the pregnancy. But as we continue on in Luke chapter 1, before the pregnancy, before this moment becomes a reality, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I mean, this sounds great. It sounds too good to be true. But how can I be sure of this? Because I'm an old man, and my wife also is well along in years. That's a nice way to say it, Zechariah. I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And would you believe that actually some scholars have called this a dumb question? I don't think it's a dumb question. I put myself in Zachariah's shoes, and I think, you know, I might have asked the very same thing. It feels like a fair question to me, and I love the way John Chrysostom said it. He said, Zachariah looked at his age, his gray hair, his body that had lost its strength, he remembered his wife's condition and he simply refused to accept on faith what the angel revealed would come to pass. I don't know if it was a dumb question. It feels like a fair question. I understand where he's coming from, but the angel said to him, now he mentions his name, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news so now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time now as many of you already know but we'll see in the next few weeks Zechariah is not the only one to ask the angel a question when all this happens and and I, I almost was going to say this punishment seems excessive, but I didn't. I decided that wasn't the right word. How about extreme, okay? This punishment seems a little extreme. I can understand where Zachariah is coming from, but also as you think about the way Gabriel presents this to him, it's as if Zachariah can, can quote from the story of Abraham, because that's the kind of language he's using here. 
but he seems to have forgotten the story's ending he sounds like abraham how's this going to be possible at my age with my wife's condition and yet it's almost like and and here's where i think i I relate to zechariah it's almost like he says yes god did great things for other people in the past but gabriel will he really do great things for me yeah i know i know about abraham and sarah i know about rebecca i know about rachel i know about hannah but is that same thing going to happen for elizabeth i mean i'm i'm no abraham i know jacob is that really how my story is going to end but gabriel's reminder here is yes just as god has done great things for people in the past can he still do great things for you yes he can and i think more than a punishment what this is what happens to zachariah is proof that god's words are trustworthy and they will come true at their appointed time and now zachariah really gets to wait in a special way for that appointed time and when that appointed time comes true make no mistake because we'll see it in a moment the first words out of zachariah's mouth will be a confirmation that god's promises are true and that his good news is supposed to be received with joy so it's almost like gabriel says okay zachariah you really messed up your first chance here remember this is his chance to shine the lot fell to him he's performing the sacred act in the temple an angel appears to him i mean come on zachariah this is your moment and he fails but his second chance which is going to come a little bit later at his second chance is his second opportunity redemption will be the message i was also thinking what was it like what was life like for zachariah during those quiet days wonder if zachariah was one that maybe had a tendency to speak too quickly so what was it like for him to go through months and months and months of silence what what did he learn what did he observe and what was it like for zachariah to see what happens next in the story and not be able to speak about it for a while not be able to to say to to emit for, for, with his mouth with his voice his his verbal reaction to the things that took place because the next verse verse 21 says meanwhile while all this is happening with zachariah and the angel the people were waiting for zachariah and and they were outside and they're wondering why did he stay so long in the temple but when he came out he could not speak to them and so they realized this guy can't speak he's white as a ghost he he's seen a vision and he kept making signs to them but he remained unable to speak when his time of service was completed he returned home and after this elizabeth became pregnant and for five months she remained in seclusion but she said even though zachariah couldn't tell her perhaps he was able to write it down perhaps they they got better at this whole sign language thing over the time but she knew in her heart and she knew on account of her condition and she knew because of all those stories of those other hebrew women whom god had shown faithfulness the lord has done this for me in these days he has shown his favor and he's taken away my disgrace among the people to to have children was 
was a direct sign to the Hebrew people of blessing from God. To not be able to have children made those women doubt and wonder. And here she says, I, I know that God has shown me his favor. As often happens, the faith of the wife surpasses that of the husband. Even if the husband is a minister, the faith of the wife surpasses that of the husband. And the next major event in the Advent story comes in the middle of Luke 1. We won't read it, but it's the moment after this five months of seclusion when Mary who comes to visit Elizabeth. And remember that prophecy that Gabriel gave about John, that, that the, the Spirit would be upon him even before he is born. When, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, John, little baby John, leapt in her womb at the sound of the mother of the Messiah's voice. What I want you to see here is these two women, Elizabeth and Mary, these two couples, Zachariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, and these two boys, Jesus and John, all of their lives are intertwined in the Advent story. God appears to them and, and brings all of them, these very common people, into this miraculous divine story. And he makes promises to each of them that are for them, are for their families, and are for all of their people, but also promises to them that have implications for the entire world, including us. Zachariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, Jesus and John, they are forever connected in birth, in life, and those two boys are connected in death. Jumping way down into Luke chapter 1, if you're still with me, all the way to verse 57. Finally, the time came for, for her to have her baby, to give birth to a son. wonder what Zachariah was thinking during this time. Is, is it actually going to happen? Do I finally get to speak again? Of course, Elizabeth, her, her family, her friends, they all shared her joy. They go through the process, as, as Hebrew families do, of, of, of bringing their child to the temple to dedicate the child, circumcise the child. And uh, they give, Elizabeth gives the child the name John, just as they were told. And, and there's a little bit of doubt, but then Zechariah finally speaks up and and he gets to say, uh, he gets to write down, first of all, his name is John. And then at this moment, as the child is named, then the Lord gives Zechariah the opportunity to speak. And so scene four was the pregnancy, the birth. Now I'm, I'm calling scene five the bonus scene. This is called the Benedictus. This is Zechariah's song or Zechariah's prayer. And again, for, for nine months, he was mute. Now Zechariah gets a second chance. He certainly had a lot of time to think about what he was going to say first. But when he opens his mouth, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So these may not have been the words he planned to say. But filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant david as he said through his holy prophets long ago salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who us to show mercy to our ancestors to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies 
and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, little John, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those who are living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zachariah's first words after this pronouncement weren't the best, but here, filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesies every single word of the Advent story. And that his son's role in this story will be to prepare the way. To do what we now as the disciples are commissioned to do. To go out, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the main message on our lips will be nothing else except, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And all of this is happening here in the beginning of the Advent story. With two women, two couples, two young boys who are forever connected in the story of God's plan of salvation. Think about the fact that Jesus' parents were working class. They were a carpenter and a wife. And heaven came down to them in plain old everyday setting. John's parents were from a priestly order and a priestly family. They were common folk too, but heaven came down to them in the grandest setting in God's holy temple in Jerusalem. There is a symmetry in this story between the ordinary and the sacred. That's what it means for heaven to come down to earth. That God, even though heaven is his place, his kingdom is forever and eternal, and and Christ, the the heavens, the earth are his footstool, he chose to, to come down and bring the sacred to the ordinary to put on flesh, to dwell among us, to make salvation available by meeting us right here where we are. There's also this beautiful symmetry of age. Jesus' parents were younger in age, particularly Mary, but John's parents were older. John's birth came from a woman previously known to be barren. Jesus' birth came from a, a virgin. These are also the pictures of God's promises, old and new, the covenants coming together. That there is a new promise in Jesus Christ that's built upon the old, but it fulfills the old. As as the old is passing away, the new has come. Even though it's a long period of darkness and waiting and, and struggle and striving, there is hope on the horizon. And as we prepare for our time of invitation here in just a moment, I want you to remember that just when things seem darkest, and we feel abandoned and alone, and even maybe we feel like we're stuck in our own period of silence. The words that the Lord gave to Zechariah, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people, and he has redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven 
to shine on us, those who are living in darkness, in the shadow of death, and to guide our, our feet in the path of peace. I want you to bow your heads as we have our time of invitation and response. And today, whether you're watching online or you're here with us in person, if you're a person who in life feels like you are struggling right now to find peace, would you hear today the promises of Jesus Christ, the promises that were given through the angel to Zechariah, that, that the good news was not the birth of John, though that certainly was a wonderful thing, but the good news was that the Messiah would be born, that Jesus Christ was coming. And would you hear today that the good news is that Jesus Christ has already come. He has, he has already provided the means, the way for us to be made right with God, to experience peace, and to receive forgiveness of sins that we cannot achieve in any other way but through Jesus Christ. Today, would you be willing, as I'm about to lead us in a short prayer, would you be willing to say right now in your heart, God, I am a sinner. I confess to you that I have sinned against you. God, I want peace in my life that can only come through Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe in the forgiveness of sins because of Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. And today I'm willing to commit my entire life to you. Lord, would you save me? Would you lead me forward? And would you help me to be someone who proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ? And Lord, that is our prayer. Each and every one of us are reminded that we have sinned against you. Each and every one of us, Lord, long and desire for peace in our souls and in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would provide that for each of us today and in this last moment of worship we have together, that you would continue to draw us to you, draw our hearts close to you, and continue to form us to be the people that you are preparing us to be, that we too might prepare the way for others to believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.